Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to start a, a new series today. How many of you enjoyed our, our Easter series and diving into the sayings of Jesus on the cross? We didn't get through all of them, but we got through most of them. And, and uh, wow, what an what a Easter weekend we had. That was phenomenal. I just want to, I want to thank everyone who... Uh, who jumped in and was serving during Easter weekend, the, and all the guys and a couple of the ladies that were involved in being disciples and, and part of the Lord's Supper. The ladies weren't disciples, but you know what I mean. <laughs> they, we had a great time, and wow, what a, what a powerful presentation. I had uh, several people ask me, are we going to do that again? And uh, we, you know what, I think we've opened a door to, to some uh, theatrical, anointed, dramatic presentations, gospel presentations. And uh, so if you're interested in that, maybe you were a part of the team that did the Lord's Supper or, uh, or not. Maybe you want to be involved in, in drama presentations or, you know, theatrical things that we do here at the church. Um, I would encourage you to talk to Rich Eater, wherever he is. Just make sure you see Rich and uh, let him know of your interest. I'm, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Him and he was our co-director. Can we just thank Rich and all those guys? That it's awesome. Great job. Great job. So we're going to jump in today, breaking the back of lack, and a new series. We're going to. How many of you want to walk in the blessing of the Lord and prosperity, and the provision of God? I, I hope so. I hope that you want to. And and it's not just. The, the prosperity and the blessing of the, of the Lord, the abundance of the Lord, isn't so that you and I can sit back and get, uh, get fat and, and do our own thing and become self-centered. That's not the purpose. The purpose is for the advancement of the kingdom, the advancement of the gospel. God releases, how many of you know, it takes money to get the gospel out. It takes, it takes money to operate a church. It takes money to, to operate the facilities. It takes money to do outreach. It takes money. You know, the gospel is a free message, but the, the resource to get it out, God uses the finances and the wealth that he releases through his people. You are a vessel, to, not just with your, your mouth and personal evangelism, but you are a vessel to get the gospel out with the resources God's given you. And so Jesus said in Luke 4, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. There's no hidden message there. There, there. There's no hidden. He said, I've come to tell the good news to the poor, those who are, who are broke, those who are busted and disgusted. I've come to tell them good news. Well, what's good news for a poor person? You, you're going to have wealth. You're going to have resources. You don't have to stay in poverty. Does anybody hear me? 
You don't have to stay in a place of depression. You don't have to stay in a place of lack. There's breakthrough for you. You know, so we've got as a church, and not just our church, but probably the church at large, we have to change our mindset, change our, our perspective about resources, about finances, about the, uh, about the blessing of the Lord, that this, God didn't call you to be, to be in lack, and he didn't call you to have a lack, broken mindset. He wants you to walk in peace. That word shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. The provision of the Lord, every aspect of your life taken care of. That is the plan of God for your life. So whoever told you that you need to stay in poverty and lack and stay in bondage doesn't know what they're talking about. They haven't read the Bible. God has called you out of that. You no longer have to walk in slavery to that old life. Because that's really what it is. It's bondage. It's slavery. Your love, your, the, the Bible talks about not allowing your love to be hindered in, in the, with regards to generosity. When you have debt and you're broken and you're in despair, guess what's hindered? Your love, your generosity is hindered. Your ability to, to share all good things is hindered because you're walking in brokenness. So God wants every area of your life to be in wholeness. Amen. That's not just our bodies. That's not just our spirit, man. That's every area of our life. That includes your finances. That includes your mind. That includes your resources. That includes your relationships. Every area. Everybody say every area. Every area of your life. And so I want, this isn't, this isn't a ploy. This isn't a fundraising tactic. This isn't, a, this isn't an effort to try to get you to give more money. This is an effort to get you to walk in freedom in every area of your life. Amen. And so I just want to dig around in Scripture and, and show you about the blessing of the Lord. I want to teach you about the blessing of the Lord. Is that all right? So... I want to start off, the Lord just dropped this in my heart during worship as as Pastor Grace was singing, nothing is impossible. And it's just this simple phrase that you can do the impossible and you can have the unbelievable. You can do the impossible and you can have the unbelievable. Do you believe that? And, And more than, and when we talk about belief, this isn't just a head knowledge. This isn't just having an idea or a concept that you can, that you can do the impossible and have the unbelievable. This is reality. This is a reality for you and I. That when Jesus said, you'll lay hands on the sick and see them healed, we're going to see them healed. There's no question about that. When, when Jesus said, give and it will be given unto you, there's no question about that. Right? There's no question when the Bible says repent and seasons of refreshing will come. We know that that happens. It's, there, there is a, there is a, a law of, of reciprocity, if you'll say. Whatever you, when you begin to step out and you do what God's commanded you to do, God's going to do his part. Right? God's going to do his part. You give and what happens? God gives. You repent and God forgives. Right? So this is real simple. When the Holy Spirit begins to release faith on the inside of you to act, my goodness, it's time to act. When God's stirring on the inside of you about your giving and walking in faithfulness, then my goodness, you better step out and do it and operate in the season in which God is stirring in you. 
it would be it would be really foolish of the farmer to go out and and, and how many of you have driven through farmland and and you can just see for miles just the flat land the farmland it, it just goes on and on and on especially when you get in Indiana Illinois you get out in the Midwest area it's just in the in the cornfields and it's just flat as far as you can see. How foolish would it be for a farmer to go out to his field and say, I bless this ground to be fruitful and multiply and never sow a seed. He can stand there all day long and proclaim the, the blessing of the Lord over his field, over his crops. But until he sows a seed, there's no harvest. Right? So until you begin to change your mindset about wealth and resources and the blessing of the Lord, you'll hinder yourself from having the full harvest that God intends for your life. You can have the impossible and do the unbelievable. All things are possible to him that believes. Is that what the Bible says? Is that what the Bible says? I, I, I hear this side. I don't hear this side. Is that what the Bible says? Amen. And so if that's what the Bible says, then I want to walk in all that the Bible says. I want to walk in every bit of blessing. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I, uh, before we do that, I, let me just give you, I, I want, can I just, I wrote down some, some characteristics of poverty. You know, poverty is not just about having, not having money. Poverty is not just about having no resources. Poverty is a mindset. Poverty is a mentality. It is a perspective. And that perspective is not a biblical perspective, by the way. I think we've covered that. That's not a biblical perspective. That's not a, that's not a perspective. When you hear, when you operate in a place of poverty or lack, when you hear things like all things are possible, you can have the impossible and do the unbelievable. When you hear statements like that, you begin to think that's crazy. You begin to second guess it. You begin to look at yourself and your own incapabilities. You begin to look at your lack. Does any hear, anyone hear me? Instead of looking at the possibilities of what God can do. Faith looks and sees what God can do. When faith hears the word of God, it's, it multiplies. When the word of God is spoken, faith multiplies. So when you're operating in faith, there's a multiplication effect that happens in your heart. There's a, have you ever, let me, let me give it to you like this. Have you ever heard something from the word of God, a, a scripture or something that has just leapt out to you? And it, when you heard it, man, it just took root on the inside of you and you felt like you could do anything. You felt like that word, it was going to happen. It was possible. It, it, that whether no matter what man said, no matter what anybody else around you said, that was going to happen because it was the word of the Lord for you. Anybody? That's, that's the word of God multiplying faith in you. That's faith being produced on the inside of you. And so the word of God ought to multiply faith on the inside of you. And if that's not happening, what, what, is, what is going on is you're filtering through ears and eyes of fear and lack. 
Because the word of God, once it's received into your heart, always, everybody say always. The word of God will always produce faith. Jesus, Isaiah says, my word will not return to me void. So it will always produce faith. Why does it not, why is it not producing faith in the immediate when you hear it sometime? Because you're hearing and seeing it through the eyes and filter of fear. How do you know? Because your first response is the response of lack. You start second guessing instead of receiving. You're not receiving the word. You're, re, you're rejecting the word and in its place you're putting fear. You're hearing the word, and instead of allowing it to take root in your heart and produce faith, you're allowing fear to control you. Does anybody hear me? I'm just trying, this is, this is foundational stuff that you've got to begin to understand if you're going to walk in the blessing of the Lord. That when the word of God is spoken, are you with me? When the word of God is spoken, you have to receive that word into your heart and allow it to begin to germinate and produce faith on the inside of you, and not continue on in fear. So some of these characteristics, some of these, some of these characteristics about poverty or lack, it puts blinders over our eyes. We can't really see what the truth is. We don't hear the truth. We don't operate in the truth. We operate in fear. It, it, the, the poverty or the lack mentality is driven by fear. We stay in this place of fear. We operate in fear, and it steals our ambition. Lack will steal your ambition. It'll steal your passion for the Lord. You, you know, you could be in a service and God's moving, power of God's present, things are happening, and you're sitting back on the sidelines saying, I'm not good enough to receive that. I could never have that. God's ministering to all those people. Look at that. They're getting healed. They're getting delivered. That's not for me. I could never receive. That's, that's lack. That's poverty. And it steals, it's like a vacuum, and it just comes in and sucks out all of your passion and makes you passive. How do you know if you're passive? You just sit there. It's real, it's real easy. It's real easy in, in, in an environment like this to notice passivity. Because there, you have the extremes. You have those who are passionate. You have those that are passive. And so it's real obvious. So if you're stuck in passivity, everybody around you knows it. The only person who doesn't know it is you. Because <laughs> you're stuck, right? That's what happens. This is it's not judgment. It's just the reality of how it is. And so that's, that is lack. It's poverty. It will keep you stuck in passivity. And not allow you to be released into your passion. It will keep you back. Lack will cause your dreams to see impossible impossibilities. Instead of seeing the dream, Joseph dreamed another dream. Instead of seeing the dreams and the possibilities, all you see is the impossibilities. What's not possible? And you begin to dream differently. You see your vision. How many of you have a dream from the Lord? I hope you do. I hope there's a dream burning on the inside of you. If you don't have a dream birthed in you by God, maybe there's a, there's a spirit of lack or poverty operating in your life that's holding you back. 
Well, I tried that 13 years ago and it didn't work. I I fell flat on my face. And in that moment, you allowed fear and rejection to take root instead of operating in a place of faith. And now this lack mentality has come on you and you haven't stepped out into the fullness of God for your life over 13 years ago, something that happened 13 years ago, right? Joseph went to the prison knowing that God was going to bring him to the palace regardless of what he saw. Why? Because he had a dream that was not encumbered by impossibilities. He knew who God was and that God was going to bring it to pass, even if that meant going into the prison. Poverty always reminds you of your past failures. It makes you feel less qualified than everybody else around you. Well, you know, that brother, that sister, they're more qualified than me to to do this. That person's more qualified than me to accomplish this. They just need to do it. When God has put his finger on you and says, it's time to stand up, it's time to rise up. But, But poverty, lack, causes you to shrink into the background. It drives you into the background of life, tries to snuff out the fire of God in your life causes, wants to quench, wants to snuff out. It wants to quench the fire of God that's on the inside of you. So those are just a couple. One of the other ones is that poverty will make you think that the biggest win in your life is to not lose. We'll just, we'll just settle for second best. We'll just settle for status quo. It's okay. I mean, if, if, I really, if I really get the best that God has for me, there's, there's a lot of accountability in that. I'm not sure that I'm ready for that. There's, there, there's a lot of pressure to, get the, to have the best. And we just shrink back and we live in status quo. And God wants you to operate in abundance. He said, I've come that they might have life and have it what? More abundantly. He wants you to have the fullness of life. He doesn't want you to have status quo life. I said he doesn't want you to have status quo life. He wants you to have abundant life. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 8. God is not afraid of finances. God is not afraid of resources. I'm going to show you. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 11. This is for you. If you feel like God has a problem with finances, I'm going to help set you free today, hopefully, by the word of the Lord. It says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God, By not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full, have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. Okay, notice first, you're eating to your full, building houses, plural, and dwelling in them. God's not afraid with you having houses. He's not afraid of you having having delicacies and food. He's not afraid of those things. He says, so when you have houses and you dwell in them, and your herds and your flocks multiply, everybody say multiply, and your silver and gold are multiplied, and all, all that you have, all that you have is multiplied. How many of you want everything that you have to multiply? God does not have a problem with your resources being multiplied. It's right here. He has no problem with your resources being multiplied. He has no problem with your finances, your houses, your whatever. You know, if you're happy with multiple houses, then God bless you. If he gives you multiple houses, then bless the Lord. I don't want multiple houses. 
That means more I have to clean. I'm good with one. I, I, you know, I, I don't mind, you know, the blessing of the Lord, but if he wants to give me multiple houses, then he'll give me people to clean them because I can't, you know. <laughs> whatever, whatever, you know, the Lord is not afraid of this. He wants to bless you, all that you have, except for the calories, right? When your heart is lifted up, now this is where the problem comes in. When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions, thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and he might test you to do, to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Okay, so there's the problem. The problem is not in having. The problem is in your pride. It is the love of money that is evil. It is, it, it's not the money itself. It's not the resources itself. It's not the blessing of the Lord that's evil. It's the evil in your own heart. It's the problem in your own heart. That's evil. And so God's after the evil in your heart. But this is, this is what verse 18 says. And this is kind of where I want to zero in. And you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is what? It is he who gives you power. Say anointing. It's he who gives you an anointing. It's he who gives you power to say create. Create. That word get means to create wealth. That he may what? Establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God, and follow other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day, that you shall surely perish. And the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. So I want to take a look at walking in the anointing of wealth, walking in the anointing, walking in the power of wealth. You know, how many of you, when you got born again, you yielded to the power of salvation? When you, when you got born again, you yielded to the power of God that was available to you for salvation. When you got healed, you yielded to the power of God that was available for your healing. And like there is an anointing, there is a power, there's an anointing for salvation, for healing, for breakthrough, for deliverance. There is an anointing, there's a power for wealth. There's a power, there's an anointing for wealth. And you can yield to it. You can yield to that power of God flowing in your life. Or you can reject it, but whatever you yield to, you can have. What you yield to, you can have. When you're driving down the road, or you're yielding to the anointing, uh, you know, we'll, talk, we'll take the example of driving down the road. When you're driving and you yield, what happens? Somebody from another lane merges in and comes into your lane. When you yield to salvation, when you yield to the power of God for salvation, what happens? You yield and salvation comes into your life. 
He changes you. He makes you into a new creation. When you yield to the, to the anointing of healing, healing comes into your life. So when you yield to the anointing of wealth, the power of God to create wealth, because how many of you know, like the farmer, the farmer goes out to his field and he sows seed. Wealth just doesn't magically appear. There's an anointing to create it. There's an anointing to create wealth. And you can yield to that. And it begin to flow into your life. And so how do we begin to yield to and operate in this anointing to get wealth? In Acts chapter 3, verse 16, when the lame man was healed, I just want to talk about yielding to the anointing for a moment. When you yield to the anointing, something has to happen. What happens? You know, when we're talking about laying hands on the sick or yielding to the anointing of God for anything else but wealth. Let's just take it out of the context of wealth because maybe that makes you uncomfortable. So we'll put it in the context of salvation, because hopefully that doesn't make you too uncomfortable. And so when you yield to the anointing for salvation, the power of God, what does the Bible say? That the word of God is, it is God's power for salvation. So the word of God, the message concerning Christ is preached or proclaimed to you by a testimony, some form, you hear the word of God concerning Christ, faith is ignited on the inside of you. And you, what? That faith puts its hope in Christ. Right? So you're putting faith, what, what, the, what God has stirred on the inside of you is placed. Salvation is on Christ alone. There's no other name given to us under heaven by which we must be saved. So salvation is founded on our faith in the name of Christ. Right? Well, let me show you something. Acts chapter 3, in verse 16, it says, when the lame man got healed, when the lame man got healed, everybody got stirred up in a, in a ruckus. They were upset about this, this lame man who had been at the temple gate. They were upset that he got healed. Peter and John were on their way to the temple for prayer. The day of Pentecost had happened. They were charged up, man. They were fired up on their way to worship and pray. And this lame man is sitting by the gate. And what happens? Faith rises up on the inside of Peter and John. And they look at the man. And they didn't say to the man, we, we have great provision that we're going to give to you. Or we have great whatever that we're going to. Let me give you an oratory on the scripture concerning healing. No, they didn't do any of that. They said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have, we're going to give it to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And what happened? The man stayed lame? No, he got up and he walked. He went leaping. And, and so they go through, and, and Peter teaches this, this most profound, seeker-sensitive message ever. You murderers, you killed Christ when they confronted him about it. And what did he say? This man was healed by the name, faith in the name of Jesus. Acts 3.16. Faith in the name of Jesus. Well, was it the man's faith? The man had no faith at all. He wanted money. Whose faith was it? It's Peter and John. 
They were operating in a place of faith in the name of Jesus. So that same anointing that flows into this man and makes him whole, the power of God that flows into this man, makes him whole, is released. How? By faith in the name of Jesus. How does the anointing operate? By faith in the name of Jesus. When I lay hands on people, I don't lay hands on people by faith in the name of Zachary. I don't lay hands on people by faith in the name of Heather. I don't lay hands on people by faith in the name of whoever I'm laying hands on. You don't go witness to people by faith in their name or by by hope even in who they are. You share the gospel, you lay hands on, you have an expectancy that the anointing is going to come on the scene by faith in the name of Jesus. Okay, this is so simple foundation. But powerful. Now, this is how wealth operates. The anointing of wealth doesn't operate based on the dollar figure that I'm giving. It doesn't operate based on my skill or my talent or my abilities or my resources. It doesn't matter what's on my CV or my resume. The anointing of wealth operates by faith in the name of Jesus. That's how it works. Jesus said, give and it will be given unto you. Same measure. So when we give, when we sow, when we operate according to the anointing, we're operating by faith in the name of Jesus. Not by who's behind the pulpit preaching. Not by who's collecting the offering. But by faith in the name of Jesus. So with regards to your resources, in regards to breaking the back of lack in your life, you have to operate by faith in the name of Jesus. Not by what is in your bank account or not in your bank account. Not by resources or skills that you have. It's not based on any of that. It's based on faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. So that's how, that's how the anointing, that's the basic anointing 101, how this works. Now, how do you operate in that anointing? Well, first off, it's very clear that you need to recognize this promise is for you. I mean, repeatedly here in, in Acts, or I'm sorry, in Deuteronomy 8, it says, Beware that you remember, you, you remember, remember when you, when your gold, when your silver, when your flocks, when your houses, it's very clear that God intends this promise to be for you. This isn't just for the person you're sitting by in church. God wants you. Everybody say, God wants me. God wants me to live a blessed life. God wants all that you have to multiply. So recognize, number one, recognize that this is for you. God says in verse 18 that this was according to the covenant that I made with your forefathers. What was the covenant that God made with the forefathers? Well, Abraham. What was the, what was the covenant that God made with Abraham? That you will be blessed and in your seed the nations of the earth will be blessed. Is that the covenant? That's the covenant. And so we, because of Christ, Galatians and 3.29 says, because if you belong to Christ, we are now under the covenant of Abraham. If that is true, then we are blessed to be a blessing. God wants you to operate in a level of blessing 
and an abundance so that when anyone comes before you with a need or resource, that there is substance in your life to bless them. That when there's a need to to get the gospel around the world, whatever that looks like, whether it's a missionary or whether it's a a program or outreach of our church or whatever is happening, that you are able to write that check. I'm believing God. Someday I'm going to write a million dollar check to sow into ministry. Why? I'm not just saying that. I, I want that. I believe that. That is a blessing of the Lord for the righteous. Amen. That's not wishful thinking either. It's faith on the name of Jesus. It's faith in the name of Jesus. Someday, we're going to write that check. You think I'm silly. I'm not silly. That's the word of the Lord. He wants you to abound, Galatians, abound in every good work. He wants you to abound in, in blessing those who are of the household of faith. How many of you would look around our our country, our region, our area and say there's opportunity to advance the gospel. There's there's opportunity to sow into the lives of others. There's opportunity to give. Amen. That's why you are blessed. You're under the Abraham covenant to get the word of the Lord out. To have resources. So operating in the anointing. One, you got to recognize that this is God's promise for you. Number two. You have to walk in obedience. Isn't that very clear in, in Deuteronomy 8.20? Because you would not be obedient. You've got to be obedient. If you, want, if you want the blessing of the Lord, you have to walk in obedience. Verse 15, let's go there. Deuteronomy 8.15. It, it goes through here. Who led you through the great and terrible wilderness? There was water. There was manna. He brought you through. He led you through. There's a continual emphasis on the obedience and being led by God. So when God says to you, give, you give. You know, there's another simple principle here about obedience. It, it means work. It means work. Oh, y'all don't like that. You want me to go back talking about being led by the Lord. Well, let me tell you. What Proverbs 10.4 says, it says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. So if you want to operate in the anointing of wealth, you've got to be obedient by working. You can't be lazy. You can't sit at home and eat bonbons all day. You need to set your hand to the plow and to begin to work. God has anointed you. This is what that word to get wealth in Deuteronomy 8 means to create. When you, have, when you create something, it means you've got to do something. To create something means that you've got you to do something. God has anointed you. In other words, he's given you skill and abilities that you need to begin to work and create. That, what has God gifted you to do? If you're if you're a, a you know mechanic, then be a mechanic. If you're if you're a doctor, be a doctor. If you're a lawyer, be a lawyer. Whatever God's gifted you to do, do it unto the Lord. Do whatever it is that He's gifted you to do. He's anointed you for what He has set in your heart to accomplish. 
There's an, if you're a doctor, he's anointed you to be a doctor. That means you need to learn how to yield to the anointing and be the best doctor there is. Amen. If you're a lawyer, then God has an anointing on your life to be that lawyer. Then you need to be the best lawyer that, that you can be. Why? Not because of your skill, your talent, just because you're some great person. But there's an anointing on your life for that. There's an anointing. God has anointed you. How do you know if you're operating and what God has anointed you to do? Because there's a joy in it. There's a delight in it. It's easy. It's natural. It's fruitful. What you set your hand to do is fruitful. Why is that? Because there's an anointing. You're connected with the anointing of God that's flowing into your life. And he makes it fruitful. He multiplies it. So you have to be obedient and begin to set your hands to the plow. Begin to work where God's got you to work. You know, it's funny. You know, you, how do you know who's not working? That because they're, you know, how many of you would allow, let me just use this as an example. How many of you would, would, would allow someone who has a poor work ethic to watch your house while you were out of town for vacation? No, why not? Because you'd come back and your house would be destroyed. Right? If someone had a poor work, would you hire someone to, to do work in your yard or your house that has a poor work ethic? No. I could, I've been down that road. I can tell you all about that. We, we fired them real quick. No, if someone has a poor work ethic, what do you do? You move on. You find someone who has a good work ethic. Someone who's obedient. Someone who's hardworking. Little by little, Proverbs says, they'll bring in wealth. Those who are hardworking. Little by little. That money earned by schemes will disappear. But money, wealth that comes in by hard work, little by little, it increases. So be obedient and begin to set your hands to work. You know, it's funny. It's interesting. We've had, uh, you know, multiple testimonies lately of people getting jobs and understanding, you know, as I thought, you know, Megan, when she shared this a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's profound. It's so simple, but yet so profound. Wow, we've been praying for the blessing of the Lord in our church. And here we are. You, how many people are getting new jobs, pay increases, bonuses, unexpectedly? Uh, who was it? Somebody just told, was it Pat? Pat, are you up there? Somebody was just saying they got a bonus this week. Was it Pat? Somebody an unexpected bonus this week. Pat, there you are. It was awesome. It was a great, it was a nice bonus too. You know, Tony was sharing Wednesday night. Can I share? Tony was, Tony was sharing Wednesday night that um, when she went to do her Acts 120 pledge that the you know, she forgot that she had given a third of it already, and she went back and did a third of it again. So she was up to, what, one and a half or wherever she had given, three, three quarters over it, whatever. She had given more than what she had pledged. And uh, then the software change or whatever, something happened, and she ended up giving, giving that dollar figure again. So she had given her pledge three times. How many of you know that's, you know, that could be a problem, you know, so... But she, gave, she ended up giving it three times. What happened? She went into her boss. Uh, she went into work, and her boss came to her and said, hey, we want to give you a bonus. And the bonus was enough to cover, more than cover, the, all the mistakes, all of the, all of the mistakes, all of the seeds that were sown. So, you know, the Lord has got it covered. Be obedient. Even, even in your mistakes, be obedient. And the Lord, the Lord will just miraculously provide. Is this helping you? 
So you got to be obedient. You got to sow your seed. God is very specific on getting your giving into the ground. Get your seed into the ground. 2 Corinthians 9 says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness so that you will be enriched. That's to be made rich in everything, in all things. And we see it again. Again, Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, it's both places, that you will be made rich in all things. For all liberality. Why? For all liberality. So that you can be a generous giver. Which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. So what happened with the apostles? What was happening? The Corinthian church was being abundantly blessed. They were being abundantly supplied for. And their seed was being multiplied. And they were giving into the work of the ministry. To the point of Paul recognizing and saying, I am rejoicing. Over your giving. I'm not just, I'm not just thankful for your, your, your regular stewardship. But you're going over and above to the point that I am beyond thankful. You're sowing. They were giving significant money to Paul's ministry. And Paul was talking about the seed that they were sowing. God's going to give it back to you. God's multiplying it back to you. It's not just about our ministry being blessed. You're sowing into kingdom. You're, you're sowing into kingdom principles and operating, as in, as in Deuteronomy talks about, an anointing of wealth. Sowing seed. Proverbs 3 says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. This, the word for the first fruit there is the choicest portion, the best, the top choicest portion of your income, of your resources, sow it, honor the Lord, give it to the Lord, and He, and He, everybody say He, He will fill your barns, He will multiply your seed sown, He will take care of your needs, He will supply all of your needs. Get your seed in the ground and the Lord will bless you. And then we go on in Deuteronomy 8, how do we operate in this anointing of wealth? One, it's God's promise for you. Two, you've got to be obedient. You've got to be obedient to work where the Lord has you. And you've got to be obedient to sow your seed. And then thirdly, remember the Lord. It's quite plain here. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Remember the Lord. Now, this, this word remember, we're going we're gonna to talk about this, but remember the Lord. Let me say this, that God will not share his glory with anyone. So when you begin to take credit for the things that God's done, you are trying to ascribe his glory to yourself. Can we say that's a dangerous thing? <laughs> you're taking, you're trying to ascribe the glory of God. Look what I've done. Look how hard I've worked. Look at my possessions. Look at my house. And you begin to put it on a display as a show of, of your ability, of your talent, of your skills, of who you are. Or remember the Lord, and it is a testimony of the goodness of God in your life. It's the same word in Proverbs 3. We read it a moment ago. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord. That word honor in the, in the Hebrew is connected to the word kabod. 
Have you heard the word kabod before? It's the word for God's glory. It's the weightiness of his glory. And so when we honor the Lord, as in Proverbs 3, 9, we are ascribing to him, we're giving to him the glory that's due his name. It is the kabod. It's the weightiness of who he is. We're ascribing him glory by giving him the first fruits. You follow? And so when we remember the Lord, we're honoring him. When you honor someone, you obey them. You're obedient to them. When you honor someone, there's a desire to obey and to bless them, to to give them the glory that's due their name, right? You want to honor them. If you want to honor someone in this life, you want to ascribe to them the praise or the thanksgiving for what they've done or who they are, right? And so the same is true with God. When we honor him, we want to obey him and ascribe to him or or sing his praise, give him thanksgiving for who he is and what he's done. Remember the Lord. This this word remember is is a a word that I won't forget. (laughs) Now let me explain that. Some of you will figure that out when you get home. Let me explain that. It's the word Zachar. It's where my name comes from, Zachary. It's the, it's the name Zachar in the, in the Hebrew, to remember the Lord. Zachar, it's a remembrance. And in the, in the Hebrew, that word Zachar is not just merely a thought of something. You know, when we talk about remembering something, we often think about, oh, yeah, I remember. I think about, or you have a, you have a moment of reflection on something, something that happened. Something that was said, you reflect back, and, and it's, it's passing. But that's not what the word here means. That's not, the Hebrew, that's not the Hebrew tradition with this word. The Hebrew word zakar and remembering the Lord is to remember something was always connected with an action. There was always a physical bodily action that went with the thought. It meant to remember, to, to create a memorial if you will. So there was always an action with remembering. Zach Carr, it's a body activity, activity, not just a thought. Let me give you some examples of this word, Zach Carr, and where God remembered something in Scripture. In Genesis 8, God remembered Noah, and what did he do? He made a wind pass over the earth so that the waters receded. God remembered the rainbow. He said, I'll remember the rainbow in Genesis 9, and I will never destroy the earth and all the people with water again. In Genesis 19, God remembered Abraham and Lot, and he removed them from Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis 30, God remembered Rachel, and he opened her room. In Exodus 2, he remembered the cries of the Israelites, and he came down to deliver them himself. God remembered and he act. This word, Zachar, to remember the Lord is to turn to turn in this sense, it's turning your things and making your things worship. Remember the Lord. The, the things that God gives you become instruments of worship. They remember the Lord. Your house remembers the Lord. Your house, you remember that the Lord, is anybody with me? The house that God gave you, you remember that God gave it to you, and you open your doors in hospitality to other people, and you use it as a means of ministry and worship unto the Lord. Well, pastor, my house is dirty. Then clean it. (laughs) Worship the Lord with your house. 
God gave me a car. Then use it for his glory. Worship him with it. Pick people up and bring them to church. Whoa, it just got, somebody just sucked the air out of this place. (laughs) Make your things worship God instead of you worshiping your things. It's really hard to worship things when you're making things worship God. Everything that the Lord gives you is a remembrance to God and becomes an act of worship. If your clothes are worshiping the Lord, you'll wear clothes that worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just talking about operating in the anointing of wealth. (laughs) God uses this word that, why? Remember the Lord. Why? That he may establish, verse 18, that he may establish his covenant. That word establish is, is the word to raise up, to build up, to make strong. He wants to take the covenant, the vow that he's made, The vow that he's made with your forefathers, that because of sin, you don't live by, right? Sin separates us. So he wants to take the vow, the covenant that was, that's hindered by sin. When we remember the Lord, it raises it up. It makes it strong. It makes it go into effect. That you will be blessed and be a blessing to the nations when you remember the Lord. When you give God the glory for, for what he's blessed you with, you remember the Lord, and he takes his covenant and makes it strong and effective in your life. Remember the Lord. I thank God for, for my house. I thank God for my car. I, and you use your car as a, as a place of work, your house. You live. All of the things that you have become tools and instruments of praise to the Lord. What happens? He makes his covenant with you strong. He makes it into effect. It causes it to be established in your life. You're not operating according to the carnal principles of the world. What is the carnal principles of the world? When they take their possessions, they take their things, and it's all about me. It's all about my name. It's all about my glory. It's all about my things. But when you take your things and make your things worship God, all of a sudden it's no longer about those things. It's about God. You'll follow And so God gets the glory, not you, not your possessions or your things. The same anointing, let me say this about operating in the anointing of wealth. The same anointing that causes you to receive wealth is the same anointing that will cause you to keep wealth. I'll say that again. The same anointing that causes you to get wealth, to receive wealth, to create wealth, is the same anointing that will cause you to keep wealth. So if you feel like you're, there's things draining out the back door of your house, your resources are just draining out the back door, and you're living from paycheck to paycheck, there's, there, the problem is not the anointing. Y'all are quiet up in here. The problem is not the anointing, it's you. How do you close that back door? You've got to live... The, the same way that you receive and create wealth by yielding to the anointing, 
you operate the same way. You got to live the same way. You cannot, listen, you cannot go home, leave this place, and eat fried food every day, fill your body with, with potato chips and fried chicken and greasy garbage. You can't go home and do that every day and come back here on Sunday and say, Pastor, pray for my diabetes. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Now, thank the Lord he's got mercy on us, but my goodness, how stupid can we get and still breathe? I'm going to go live like the devil during the week and expect the anointing to fix it on Sunday. And that's not how it works. You can't go spend your money on frivolous things. Oh, y'all going to get quiet on me now. You can't, you can't live in debt. You can't go, go rack up debt and spend your money on frivolous things and expect on Sunday the anointing is just going to break it. It's going to be okay. <laughs> the same anointing. That creates wealth in your life will be the same if you live by that anointing. John said, you've received an anointing and it teaches you all things. When you begin to walk according to the spirit of God, walking in that anointing and you're listening. When you want to go buy that thousand dollar whatever and spend the money on something that you don't need. And we're all guilty of it. I know I can tell by looking around the room. You're wearing it all over your face. If you live by the anointing, the anointing says, stop it. You're about ready to spend your seed. Or you want to go put things on that credit card, stop it. You're about ready to enter into debt. Now, I'm not... I'm not this, I'm not Dave Ramsey, and I'm not going to give you a fi financial peace university teaching. We've got that. We'll offer that at some point, I'm sure. But the point is, is there's an anointing to get wealth and keep that wealth. And if you'll live by it, if you'll live by the Holy Spirit, if you'll live by the word of the Lord, you won't find yourself leaking out the back door or have no back door at all. And things are just free flowing right on out. <laughs> God wants things coming in that you might be a blessing. You need to have control over that, over those resources. You need to make those resources worship the Lord. Not be caught up in the mammon of this world. It's really hard to make your things worship. I, I'm, I'm on to something this morning. I hope, I hope you're hearing with spiritual ears today. It's really hard to live according to kingdom principles with your money when your money's tied up in earthly economics. And it's just it's real simple. It's really hard for for you to live according to the kingdom principles with your money and your resources if they're tied up in earthly economics and not in kingdom economics. So you say, well, well, I've got, you know, this isn't, let me tell you, this is not a message to put you under bondage. This ought to be liberating you today. So when, you, when you're looking, maybe you're here today and you say, oh, man, uh, Pastor, 
I, I believe everything that you're saying. It's the word of the Lord, and I know it's for me, but, but I, you, I'm in debt. I'm, I'm in survival mode, I'm, and all you can see is what's right in front of your face. What I'm, what I'm preaching to you today is far above what's right in front of your face. So you've got to start living, even in the, even if your if your resources are tied up in earthly economics right now, you've got to start living according to kingdom principles to get out of it. The only way to get out of that is to start living kingdom. Otherwise, you're just going to keep repeating the same old cycle. So if you want to break the cycle, you've got to start living according to the kingdom. What does that mean? You got to work. <laughs> you got to work. Pastor, I can't work. Oh, believe me, you can. Oh, believe me, you can. Well, I'm on I'm I'm on disability or I'm on welfare. You are tied up in a earthly economic system. I'm just telling you. That's how it is. I don't I don't see that in scripture. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Oh, I'm going to make somebody mad this morning. But that is not how we live. You have skills. You have creativity. There is an anointing on your life to do something. You might only, it might be going down the street and washing somebody's toilet a couple days a week. Go, Go see yourself in that porcelain. You clean that toilet. You do what God's gifted you to do and watch the blessing of the Lord that comes from it. I promise it works. You just find someplace. Well, I'm only allowed to, to bring so much. I realize that this is the case. I, right now, I'm in a position I can only bring in so much money because of this or that or the other thing. Then you work and do what God's given you to do. You do as much as you can with where the Lord has you. You volunteer. My goodness, you do something. And little by little, little by little, little by little, Proverbs, little by little, he'll increase in wealth. This, what I'm telling you is, you, you know, don't expect to go home and say, well, pastor said that I'm operating under the anointing of wealth. And the anointing of wealth is flowing in my life. And I'm going to sow my thousand dollars and God's going to cancel all my debt. <laughs> Bless the Lord. He might, but that's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you've got to operate in the anointing of wealth where God has you. Get busy. Set your hands to work. Be obedient. Sow your seed. Remember the Lord. It's real simple. Three things. You've got to be obedient. You've got to work. You've got to, in obedience, you've got to work. You've got to sow your seed. And you've got to remember the Lord. This is simple stuff. Uh, you don't, I'm not telling you. Just start simple. Start simple. If you're... I, I, I'm, I'm going to keep poking just a little bit. Bless you. One, one last thing. And I'll wrap this up. You need to ask the Lord where your money's going. You need to sit down with the Holy Ghost and have a look at your bank statement. And know where your money's going. And get it into the kingdom principles. I'm just going to, 
This is, this is your pastor trying to help you. I want, I, want you to, I want you to be blessed. I do. I want you to walk in the blessing of the Lord. Listen, if you, if you are not blessed, our city is not blessed and our church is not blessed. If you do not walk in the blessing of the Lord, it affects this church and affects our city. It affects our region. And so what I'm telling you today has, has kingdom impacts regionally and locally and nationally. So it is important for you to do and to operate in what I'm talking about. This isn't just about you, you filthy, ugly thing. This is about you being a vessel of the Lord that release the, the wealth. We quote all the time, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Well, bless God, get out there and get the money from the wicked. I mean, this is real simple. Go to work and get their money and work in such a way that they say, I want to give you more and I don't know why. It's real simple. It's real simple. But know where your money's going. If you, if you don't know how your money is being handled, if all you do is just check your phone and that's your way of handling your finances, it's just pulling it up on your phone on, a, on your bank's app, that's probably not the best way to know where your money's going. Just saying. Okay, this is not a Dave Ramsey seminar. Okay, I'll move on. Last thing. I know, this is fourth closing. Luke chapter 4, I said it earlier. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, the gospel to the poor, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. This was a direct connection to money. You know that? What Jesus was saying, one of his first sermons, one of his first sermons in Luke chapter 4, he had just been led out into the wilderness by the Spirit. He comes back in and he begins to preach. And the first thing he says is about money. I've come to preach the good news to the poor, those who have no money. I've come to tell them good news and what? Proclaim. He wrapped it all up and saying, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. What was the favorable year of the Lord? It was the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was the year that debts were canceled and slaves were set free. He said, I've come to proclaim. In other words, I'm talking about your money. Jesus came. Very first sermon, I'm going to talk about your money. Now, had I done that three years ago, y'all would have... <laughs> Kicked me out the door before we ever got started. But that was, the, that was the first thing Jesus preached on. Money. Why? Because he needed money to fund. I've proclaimed the port to heal the brokenhearted. It was going to take money. The anointing was there, but it was going to take resources to travel the country to heal the brokenhearted. To bind up those who were oppressed. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. It was going to take money. He said, so guess what? I'm coming to preach gospel to the poor. You don't have to continue on in your bondage. You don't have to continue on in slavery to debt and brokenness. And I'm telling you, you can be set free. Financially, you can be set free. Spiritually, you can be set free. Every area of your life can be whole. Every area of your life. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so wonderful.